Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, although I wish you air conditioning today. I hope you are uh, having a great day. I'm so glad that we're going to spend some time together. I'm always happy to have Rob Bluey on the program. He is the executive editor at The Daily Signal, and you can always head to dailysignal.com. And if you have questions for what's going on in our nation's capital or anything of particular in the news that you would like a perspective on from Rob, you can always send the question over via text 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Rob, welcome. Thanks, Bill. It's good to be with you today. What's your tempi today in the D.C. area? Well, we're not quite as warm as we we have been, but uh, it is uh, still 91 degrees here in Washington, D.C., so quite hot, Bill. Yeah, and you guys love the humidity, don't you? Washington, D.C. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We, we certainly do, which, you know, I'm a runner, so it actually helps me prepare when, uh, <laughs> when I'm, I'm in cooler climates. I feel like, uh, you know, it's it's a, quite a treat uh, to, to run, and I, I had the opportunity to run the Utica Boilermaker with my father, who's done all 45 races. Uh, it's a remarkable accomplishment a couple of weeks ago, and uh, great to be uh, back in my, my home, home state and uh, hometown and, uh, you know, catch up with people. As much as I love Washington, D.C., it's just good to get outside and, and hear what's on people's minds and the concerns and questions that they have about what uh, what direction our country is going. Yeah, I've heard about runner's high, but come on, running is nothing but pain. <laughs> it's a lot of fun and enjoy, enjoyable for me. So. And do you do races? <laughs> do you do other races like competitive races or – Really, that's the that's the the big one. So uh, it's a it's it's the best fifteen k. It's a nine point three mile race, and uh, Utica, um, which has gone through some hard times over the year, it's the one thing that really brings the the community together. And it's remarkable to experience this because you're running and and literally for almost the entire nine mile race, uh, there are spectators who are cheering you on or bands playing music. I mean, it's truly an effort. And it's one of those things that I love about so many communities that I'm sure your listeners, you know, have stories just like this that really come together. And Bill, we often talk about the partisan divisions in our country, but this is, these are the types of things that give me hope when you see uh, communities uh, rise up in, in moments like this and, uh, and really carry on traditions that I think make our country so great. Yeah, it's a beautiful slice of good America, isn't it? It certainly is, yeah. absolutely. I, have, I just have one more running question. Have you ever done a marathon? No, I have not. Okay. Uh, 10 miles is the longest race <laughs> I've ever done. Yeah. I, I don't have any desire to do a marathon. Yeah. Uh, I'm, glad to, I'm glad to know that because I think it's one of the greatest human achievements out there for someone to say, I'm going to run a marathon, and they run, what, 26.2 miles? It's funny because every time someone tells me that, the question I never ask them is, well, did you win? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a remarkable accomplishment, and I, I give a lot of credit. And and, and the ultra marathons, and oh, the those triathlons, all of those things are just, wow. That's the uh, nuts you know, category. You know, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, move on to some of the topics that I would like to discuss with you today. Just because 
the, the soaring temperatures, I know it's, it's producing uh, a greater demand for uh, electricity and energy. And let's talk about the energy prices because they have come down in the last uh, couple of weeks. What do you say about that? Yeah, no, that's that's certainly true. And it's not just our own country that experiencing the the heat. I mean, you look at what's happening in, in Western Europe and the United Kingdom. So uh, and, and and fortunately, here in the United States, as we've talked about before, we have a diversity of energy sources that we can rely on, unlike some of those European countries, which are largely dependent on on Russia. And uh, at a time when Russia is still waging a war against Ukraine, uh, they don't have many places to turn, which is why it's important to have that diversity and uh, and many sources where where we can get our energy from. Specifically related to gas prices, the White House is taking a lot of heat uh, for touting the the drop in in gas prices because they still are remarkably high uh, and historically high. If you look back just even a year ago uh, during President Biden's first year in office, and so yes, uh, the the price is coming down. I mean, I imagine that uh, eventually that was going to happen. Uh, look, gasoline prices are largely dependent on supply and demand, and uh, and so that's a big factor in it. Uh, but I think also. Despite what the president sometimes says, these these oil companies uh, can't just flip on a switch. I mean, it takes time to produce uh, more more oil, more have the gasoline refined. You know, so there there are there are steps that that you know take weeks, if not months. And uh, and there are still things that we can be doing to encourage more production. I mean, that's ultimately, I think, the direction that we need to go. Well, at the same time, uh, you know, pursuing an all of the above strategy. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's the direction we need to go. We we shouldn't be crossing off or eliminating anything at this point. Uh, because, Bill, I think that the, the consequence of this is there are individuals who are feeling the effects not only of inflation, but specifically of, of transportation costs. They don't have the luxury to work from home like like some people in white-collar jobs do. They actually have manufacturing jobs or they're they're on the, on, on the farm or they you know need to go places. And so they don't have that benefit uh, that, that some people who work in an office building might. Mm, I was at the gas station today, Rob, and I was looking at the person ahead of me and I was sort of waiting for him to finish up and he got down on his knees and kind of looked under his car. It was an older car. And I thought, oh, I hope his car holds up and I hope it keeps running. And And then I get up to the pump and I looked at the pump and he had only put in $4 of gas. And I thought, I wonder if that's all he had, and I wished I would have been able to say, hey, let me give you a full tank. I, I didn't have that opportunity, but it's one of those moments where you, you don't really know the impact it's having on people, but for a lot of people, it's dire. It is, and, and that's just one, one consequence. Um, you know, Bill, just to share, share some numbers with you, I mean, I, I talked about production. I mean, production is down 1.2 million barrels per day compared to when President Trump was in office. Uh, U.S. refinery production is down a million barrels per day. And those are factors driving up the cost. So uh, when, when President Biden took office, the price of a, a gallon of gasoline was $2.38. Uh, it's, it's around $4.50, more than a $2 uh, increase uh, today. And, and what does that mean? Individuals like the gentleman you referred to are, are not able to, uh, to even fill up the tank of gas mm-hmm. uh, because they have other, other uh, factors that, that are weighing on their budgets as well. And so you look at uh, things like uh, the fact that more and more Americans are maxing out their their credit cards, uh, they are paying uh, high interest rates uh, on those credit cards. Uh, you have uh, individuals who are making choices at the grocery store about you know what what it is they can purchase and how to feed their family. I mean, these there, there are ripple effects, and, yeah. and we, we we started talking about this. Geez, beginning of the year, I feel 
where uh, where, where the producers and uh, and those individuals, those businesses are going to start passing on the cost to to consumers. And you're going to see that in everything from delivery fees because it's costing the the transportation companies more and they're passing on it. The consumers are ultimately who are going to uh, suffer the consequences of, of, of inflation. And uh, that is uh, that is a factor that I don't think we're going to see the full extent of until probably later this year. I, I, I don't think the worst is, is over. I think the worst is still yet to come, unfortunately. Yeah. Rob, when you look at the surging demand of the electrical grid, when you have hot days like this across the country, how would uh, a state, a city support everyone plugging in their electric car? I mean, I know the vision of trying to go more green and renewable is something visionary and down the road, but we're not anywhere close to being there yet, are we? We're, we're not. And, and that's why even it, it takes a lot of government subsidies to, to get us to, to the point we are today. I mean, Elon Musk would not be the, the, the billionaire he is if it weren't for the government, uh, you know, picking winners and losers and providing subsidies for electric vehicles. And so he has uh, Uncle Sam to thank for, for his, his good fortune. But uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, there there are there are the electricity costs associated with with powering it. But then there's also the the, the fact that uh, we shouldn't forget uh, as, as uh, you know much as we we like electric vehicles and their their lack of dependency on on gasoline. There are other things, uh, the rare earth minerals that, mm-hmm. that go into to producing them. Uh, a lot of these uh, batteries are, are not able to be recycled, and in fact, in fact, poison our, uh, our our groundwater. So they need to be disposed of in very careful ways. And so there's always trade-offs, Bill. And I, I sometimes think that we don't hear about those uh, from from our political leaders or from the news media. And it's important for uh, for your listeners and and for everyone else to to seek out information and, and weigh the pros and cons of these things. And uh, and and even when you talk about some of the renewable sources of energy, moving on via uh, you know from from just vehicles, uh, a solar plant or, or a wind plant. I mean, th- their longevity is not nearly as long as, mm-hmm. as what, say, like a natural gas plant is. And so, uh, you know, they need to be replaced uh, after so many years, whereas a, a natural gas plant might last two to three times as long. So there are always, uh, always, you know, factors. And that's why I think ultimately, um, you know, we should be looking at, at an all of the above strategy. But uh, for, for government to select, you know, certain certain types of energy that they want to favor uh, does not necessarily do the consumer, uh, you know, any good. Uh, the consumer should be the one in, in a position to make those choices. Rob, what's the primary opposition to nuclear power? Well, for many years, uh, it was uh, on, on the left. Uh, there were, there was a strong opposition to it. Of course, nuclear power uh, is, is clean. Um, you know, there there are concerns that, again, it's, it's heavily government subsidized. It would be nice if... Uh, the nuclear power operators could uh, could do so without having to rely so heavily on the government for 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 those um, those types of uh, you know taxpayer uh, support. But um, you know I, I don't know why those on the en- environmental or green left uh, d- don't embrace it as as much as they do. Um, obviously, there have been some high profile accidents. Maybe that scares some mm-hmm. people, Bill. Um, but you know it certainly should be part of the mix. Yeah. Rob Louie is my guest. He's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. If you have a question for Rob, let me know what it is. You can text it over, and I will ask on your behalf. You can remain anonymous or not. 877-933-2484. 877-933-2484. When we come back, I've got a question for Rob about election integrity. There's all kinds of uh, issues regarding that. We'll be right back. We'll find out what Rob has to say about that. 
Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. That is Rob Bluey's happy walk-up music. So glad to have Rob on the show. He's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. If you have a question, shoot it over. Text line 877-933-2484. Rob, it seems like every state requires um, each citizen to register uh, and vote in state and federal elections. Um, And it's a felony if you're an alien to uh, falsely claim to be a citizen to try to register to vote. Well, well, yes. I mean, uh, uh, there there should be strict uh, election integrity laws in place, Bill. Uh, that's that's how I think we help reverse this trend that we see in poll after poll of Americans who are lacking confidence and trust in in their elections. And so, what's the the best way to do it? It's important to have strong rules and uh, and regulations in place that govern uh, you know how how you vote. And and by the way, the U.S. Constitution says it's state legislatures. That should make those decisions, not governors, not courts and states, as we saw happen so often during COVID. And I think that uh, that's why in 2016, you saw Democrats uh, lose lose trust and confidence in the electoral system. And in 2020, you saw the reverse. You saw Republicans do that. So, uh, you know, no matter what regulation you're talking about, uh, you know, particularly if you're talking about re- registration processes, uh, I think that it is important to have clear rules. Mm hmm. I know it's on a lot of people's minds. They wonder how will elections be counted? How will will there will there be integrity? Will there be officers in election offices overseeing every vote and everything that comes in? And if that's the case, I think we'll have a fair election, right? That that's that's right. And and we have to remember that every state operates differently. So some states have moved to a an election process that is is heavily dependent on mail-in ballots. Arizona comes to mind as as, as one of those. Uh, there are other states that have more traditional, you know, focus on showing up on that particular election day, uh, the, the second Tuesday of November, for instance, and uh, and having uh, having people vote. So, you know, it is. Um, it, sorry, the first Tuesday of November. Uh, right. It is. It is. Uh, it is the system that our founders had in mind when they created the United States uh, to have this federal system where the states would be in control of determining those those policies and practices that, that best meet the needs of, of the citizens. And, and so oftentimes, that's why we, uh, as, as conservatives, resist efforts to nationalize elections and have Congress lay down certain rules because those rules uh, may work for some states, but not others. And so uh, that's one of the reasons why uh, we at the Heritage Foundation and my colleague Hans von Spakovsky has led an effort called the Election Integrity Scorecard. And your listeners can go to heritage.org slash election scorecard and see um, how those states, uh, what, what rules uh, are and laws are in those states and what states 
farewell, what states need to have improvements uh, based on the criteria that we put forward and the, the model legislation that we've developed. And I think that uh, we, we're making progress, Bill. I think that the, the pressure that came after the 2020 election, uh, whether you are sympathetic to, to President Trump or not, uh, I think that uh, the issue obviously has dominated headlines and become one of those issues that state legislatures have felt an important need to address. And, uh, and, and that's certainly uh, going to be tested uh, this November when we have our midterm elections. Uh, and that should be a trial run for, for 2024 when obviously uh, the, the system will be taxed again. Uh, one example that stands out in my mind that I think is often, often flies under the radar in, in the year 2000, of course, we had the disputed election between George W. Bush and Al Gore, and it came down to 530 some odd votes in Florida. And Florida took steps after that uh, 2000 election uh, to make reforms and put reforms in place. And look at what happened in uh, 2020, 20 years later. Florida was one of the, the first states to have a, a very clean and concise uh, announcement uh, of its election results uh, on, on election day. And, uh, and I think that uh, we should remember that there are things that these states can do now uh, to prepare for the future and restore confidence among those voters who may be lacking it right now. Mm-hmm. Rob, I'd love for you to talk about Title IX. I, I saw just, this is a, beside the point, but that Leah Thomas, this Penn State swimmer, uh, was voted like woman of the year. And I think, well, this is a stunt, right? Well, yes. I mean, that that is, I would, I would define it like that. Uh, certainly, um, you know, Leah Thomas as, as an individual, a biological male who's competing in women's sports, uh, swimming, uh, and is, uh, is re- I mean, it's, it's just truly unfair. And I think that the swimmers who've spoken out and had the courage to do so uh, deserve to be commended because it's very difficult, I think, when you have so many different uh, entities, whether it be the University of Pennsylvania itself or the NCAA or, or, or other organizations with a lot of clout. Um, it's it's tough uh, to be in a position where where you're going to to be able to do that. Uh, one of the things that uh, is going on at the federal level that your listeners should know about is that there is uh, an effort at the Department of uh, Health and Human Services to make changes to, to to Title IX. Now, Title IX, of course, just celebrated its its 50th anniversary. Uh, it uh, in many ways ushered in uh, equality with with women's and men's sports. And they're trying to change it, uh, which would allow biological males to compete in women's sports. It's, it's really quite shocking. And this is why you've had some, some women's rights groups uh, and, and organizations that typically wouldn't align with conservative or Christian causes uh, join forces because they're concerned about what the future is and whether or not there will actually be legitimate women's sports uh, competitions. And so it's, uh, it's a big issue. And, uh, and there's a commenting period right now. Uh, the, the federal agency needs to hear comments from the American people on the changes that it's proposing to Title IX. And uh, our sister organization, Heritage Action, is providing a forum in which, uh, which uh, your listeners and others can go and submit a comment and make their voice heard. The, the government, the federal government, has to take all of these comments and review them. And so it's an important process that uh, the Congress put in place so these agencies can't just run rogue and, and do things on their own without uh, consulting the American people and getting their opinion as part of the process. Mm-hmm. All right, Jarrett Stepman over at The Daily Signal, and you can go to dailysignal.com to read this story. Uh, Jarrett had, uh, I love his opening line to the story. It said, the most famous victim of the Holocaust was guilty of white privilege. He's talking about Anne Frank. 
Yeah, I, 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 this is one of those stories, Bill, where when I first saw it, I just, I, I, I you know, you, you sometimes wonder if these come out of the onion or one of those satirical <laughs> publications, right. because, but, but in some cases you can't make it up. No, um, you can't. And, uh, and it's, it's true. Uh, exactly. I think people are living in, I, I don't know whether they've been brainwashed and, and, uh, colleges or, uh, they, they live in a, in a world where they are so, um, in a, in a bubble where they they are, are not able to you know consume news and information uh, from different points of view and perspectives and they develop these ideas uh, it, it's just truly uh, astonishing and so Jarrett of course um, is the author of a book uh, called uh, <laughs> uh, you know the war on history uh, so he's documented uh, this this attempt to to, to rewrite history and uh, and and paint things in a completely different perspective. So this is just another example that he can add to his next book uh, when it comes to uh, some of the things that are going on in the left and uh, and certainly uh, in this case of Anne Frank. Um, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's important I think to expose these these examples, Bill, because I agree. that's the only way we can push back. And 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 I feel bad for for students and others who are, are coming of age and and perhaps not exposed uh, to to these ideas. I read another account today uh, from somebody who's on the left who was voicing outrage at some of the things that are a result of critical race theory in in his own school district. And so it is happening. Uh, parents need to be vigilant about it. I had. Uh, Kimberly Herman from the Southeastern Legal Foundation on the Daily Signal podcast this week. They've put out a parent's guide uh, to the rights that they need to know about uh, for, for their own children's education. So there are steps that you can take if you're a parent and want more information. And I'd encourage them to reach out to their school district. Uh, some are running for school board. They're so frustrated and fed up that they want to take it into their own hands. But it does sound like a, a headline from The Onion. You've got a you know a 13-year-old Jewish girl who was in hiding in secret rooms in Amsterdam and then tried to evade the Gestapo, ended up being sent to uh, Auschwitz death camp in Poland where she died at 15. I don't know. Does anyone think she that, that this person had white privilege? No, and, and I think that this is another example of, of how uh, Jewish people are, are generally, um, uh, as a minority group, uh, you know, now being redefined by those on the left as 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 a privileged class, and so it is troubling, Bill. And uh, and and yes, it, it, whether it's ignorance on the part of the individuals who are making these claims or a concerted effort and strategy um, to do this deliberately, I I just don't know. I don't know their motives, and I'm I'm not really one to question their motives. But it is troubling for sure. Mm-hmm. And how are the kids' summer activities going? Well, things are are going really well. Uh, okay. Swimming and t- swimming and tennis nice. are coming to an end this week. Uh, it's uh, it's been a, a a fun summer. Good. I will say that um, you know, despite all of the challenges that we have in our country with the economy and and some of the other immigration challenges, uh, you know, I I really do uh, hope that the American people are 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 going to deliver uh, a, ch- a change in our country and. and not only to provide more oversight of this Biden administration, which virtually is is not happening in Washington at all right now, uh, but Bill, um, you know, it seems that individuals uh, are, are persevering, and uh, and that's what we have to hope for, and we have to uh, praise the Lord and and continue to pray uh, every mm-hmm. day. Uh, and thankful for people like you and Faith Radio for for helping us uh, do that. Well, you're a kind man, Rob Louie. Thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule to be with us today. Appreciate you. 
Thank you, Bill. You bet. Rob Louie's been my guest, executive editor at The Daily Signal. Go to dailysignal.com, check it out. We'll take a break and be right back. listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Okay, does your life have you feeling unsettled, overlooked, insignificant, exhausted? Good news, there's a better way. I want to read an endorsement for this book called The Peace Project, a 30-day experiment practicing thankfulness, kindness, and mercy and here's the endorsement. One of the things I absolutely love about Kay is how accessibly she writes and lives. As you read, you will feel like you're riding in her car and talking to a friend. Kay's new book will simultaneously challenge you and put you in a good mood. This is no fluff topic. When you change your gaze, when you choose to respond to life redemptively, your brain changes, your heart changes, and the world around you heals a little. Our world needs this message, and that endorsement is from none other than Susie Larson, who uh, I think works here right at the station. Doesn't she? uh... Yeah, she's here, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. Rosie's saying, yeah, she works here. So cool. That's the endorsement. My guest is Kay Wills. Why am I? Kay, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. And I love your friend, Susie Larson. Oh, we we adore Susie. Just so you know. I know. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I opened this book up and I started reading it and it's just so much fun. I want to. I want you to tell us uh, what happened in your life that really got you started and prompted you to write this book. Well, it all started with a bad attitude. Which <laughs> is sometimes a great way to start something, and I really didn't intend it. I kind of feel like it was a gift from the Lord, even in my crummy attitude. That I was, you know, it was a morning. I had people coming over to my house. I dropped off carpool, and I really had run into the house just to get coffee ready for everybody. And I opened the fridge to pull out the milk and there were two cartons of milk. And um, I picked up the first one, it was empty. And then I picked up the second one and it was empty. And I was like, oh my gosh, people, because we have, we have five <laughs> kids, Bill. And so, but however, I'm sure it was me, like putting back one of them, right. going, there's a, there's a drop of milk in that. But I was so frustrated when I walked out the door and I was like, oh my gosh. And I back out our driveway and I met in the, in the, in the uh, street with a big black pickup truck that was bossing its way down our street and um, forcing me to back up to let him through. And so I kind of called that road rude because it wasn't rage. It, right. was, it was kind of rude. And I was like, really? And as I looked up, backing up, I just saw the sun coming through this cloudy sky and it was so beautiful. And I was sort of like, what am I doing? Like, I'm in a car. It's air-conditioned. It's a Texas summer day, and I'm going to a grocery store where there are refrigerated items. And, you know, just it was right about there that I was like, wow, I've got so much going on that's good. Why am I letting this steal from me? And so at that point, I could breathe, and I, I legitimately backed up, which I didn't think about it at the time. But the first thing was thankfulness, you know, getting my eyes off the situation and pointing it towards things which, are, you know, I was grateful for. And then backing up with an act of kindness, which, again, I wasn't labeling at that point, but 
it was it was so nice even in doing it. And as the guy passed, I looked in the window and I said, they're going, that's a human being behind the wheel of that car. And I have no idea what's going on in his day. Like he could be racing to the hospital or, you know, he could be late to work. He could just be a jerk, you know, and a jerk has a long life. But no matter what, there's. And I, I let him through. And honestly, without being like over spiritual, I prayed for him and I prayed for me. You know, I was just like, wow. All of that in one moment. And the crazy thing is how great I feel I felt after it. Like I literally had euphoria. Like it was it was this like jolt of energy that was given to me. Went to the grocery store, still feeling it. The ladies came over, I told them about it. And um we all were sitting there going, What was that? Mm-hmm. And it didn't take long to unpack it and go, something rich was happening. It was thankfulness, it was for sure kindness. And it was compassion, which is a part of a part of mercy. And and we sort of ended our conversation going, what would happen if you did that? Like, what if you did that for 30 days? And um, so we kind of called it a soul 30 and tried. And it was amazing. Like one day of it is great, let alone 30. So I love the story, Kay. So far, I love that in this moment you practice thankfulness, kindness, and mercy. And it was something that energized you. It did not yes. subtract from you. It added to you. Come on. Yes. And everything about what you described would make a person frustrated, especially the no milk. If you got the oatmeal all ready to go and there's no milk, and you're going, now what do I do? Right? Yes, it's so true. Yes. It's so true. So, so did, did and it, even... Just yesterday, I opened the refrigerator to almost the same thing, and I was like, that's hilarious. So it hasn't stopped. So tell me about the 30 days and why 30 days, and why is it that important? Well, honestly, I did 30 days because, you know, 30 days, I think you can you can start and finish something, like you actually accomplish something. And I also did it because around these parts, if somebody wants to do like a, a healthy diet, a lot of people do a whole 30. And right. I'm a... I'm an absolute wimp. I could never do it. I don't think you can drink coffee on the whole 30, so they, they lose me right there, you know? Yeah, I'm out too. But, yeah, so I just was thinking, if why not take a play on that? Because a whole 30 is a fast. And this whole 30 is just like what you were saying. It's the opposite. It's a feat. It's like you're not giving up. You're getting so much. And, um and I felt like if, if that was good for your body, like your physical body to do a, a whole 30, why not try what's good for your, for your mental health, you know, for your thoughts? And it was sort of like a diet for my thoughts to go, if you did this, you actually can impact your neural pathways. And um, because what happens when you do something as simple as thankfulness, and there's many gratitude journals out there, is um, – it, it uh, fires endorphins and dopamine in your brain, which is why you feel good. And so it's sort of like, what if we could impact our neural pathways by thinking about good things and practicing good things? Because when you act, when you do something, when you have an action associated with something that's positive for your brain, it actually it makes the neural pathway a stronger place. And I was like, gosh, if we could change the super highways in our brain leaving the anxiety and the worry and all that, which is usually where our thoughts go, and let them be a farm road, and why not try it? Like, could we do it? And that's kind of how we entered it, wondering what would happen if we did. And I, and I think that's what we were all so floored 
at the power of it and the transformative power and the peace that came along with it. And, and honestly, I still do it. Like I woke up the other morning a little, a little overwhelmed by all the discord. It's big here right now. I mean, we have school that started and lots of masks, no masks. People are frustrated and angry and honestly just tired. And it was just one of those things going, it all still feels so overwhelming. What can I do? And I thought, you know what? I'm going to start this out with hitting the things I have to be thankful for. And instantly I started feeling better. And um, I found a way to be, you know, to do an act of kindness that morning. And I know my kids are sick of me and sick of it. <laughs> Trust <laughs> me, they're I not. New, yeah, I know, but I have a new freshman this year. And I was like, I know you're going to roll my eyes at this, but do you want to know what might possibly make this day a little bit better? Start it out. And, um, and he said, he goes, you know, I know you're right. And it's not like, I know you're right, mom. He knows because he's been doing it too. And it does, it, it takes situations that feel so unsettling, and it settles them a bit. Yeah. So, Kay Wells-Wyma is my guest. Her book is The Peace Project, a 30-day experiment practicing thankfulness, kindness, and mercy. Um, Kay, I can't help but to think of Philippians 4. Whatever mm-hmm. is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Yeah. These are amazing uh marching orders that I think uh, Paul says, let's keep things simple. Let's think about what is uh, praiseworthy. And when you think about uh, kindness and mercy and thankfulness, aren't you kind of doing that? Boy, yes. And and so, okay, because it kind of feels like that's heavy. Like that's a big admonition, do all these things. And I start, I hear the list and I'm like, oh, you lost me at the beginning. You know, right now I'm not thinking the nicest thing ever. And so how do we do that? <laughs> Yeah. You know, because I think that can be hard, but what what is encaptured in all of that is actually the Lord himself. All of those attributes are him. And that's the part that that I have found so deep and meaningful about these practices, because the thankfulness, you know, you can you can do that. We can do that. Like left to myself, I can think of a couple of things to be thankful for right now. And kindness, I can I can practice kindness. I can even practice kindness so I get something out of it. The altruistic kindness, mm-hmm. it actually lights up a portion of your brain that nothing else does. And that's a little extra, you know, step. But the mercy piece, gosh, those, I don't know how we do those without the Lord involved mostly because he is compassion. You know, all of the attributes of mercy actually describe him. And I think that's why that part is so powerful. And I think the reason why it is, is because you're actually engaging with the Lord whenever we do that. And, And that's what I've learned more than anything, is that these things, he tells us to practice them because in doing that we actually get to experience him because we can't do them left to ourselves it really is in his strength and it's in his power and i think that's why it's so mysterious because those words like you know not by strength but by not by strength and not by power but by my spirit says the lord that's so mysterious and i don't even get that but when you engage in something like mercy and having compassion on someone, like legitimate compassion, that's where he comes in because he is that. He's the one that provides the power for that and all of those all of those admonitions that are in Philippians. And I think that's where it's like, whoa, I had no idea. Okay, 
I so appreciate what you're saying, and you're so spot on. But sometimes people want to feel peace in moments when it's anything but peaceful. Yeah. So what counsel do you have for us to to help us navigate some of those situations? I think that, that my really, my I would say start with gratitude. Start looking outside of yourself. And in that gratitude, in the moment of unsettledness, find something in the settle, unsettledness to be grateful for. And um, that's the beginning of it. And it sort of primes the pump and fires the engines to get it going because peace is what comes with it. I can't manufacture the peace. I really can't. But I can I can surrender to the Lord. And the part that comes in, one of the definitions that was used for mercy was by a Jesuit priest, because I, I wanted to know what these things were, like, you know, what is gratitude and what is what does that even mean, but especially mercy, like what does, what even is that? And as I started looking around and finding definitions, seeing what people said about it, there was a, there was a, um, a definition by the Jesuit priest, his name is James Keenan, and he said the willingness, mercy is the willingness to enter into someone else's chaos. And um, which is such a fascinating, fascinating definition, because it's my own chaos, too. But willingness is the key phrase, because it's in the willingness that you're not a victim, okay? So it's in the willingness that you're walking into it with wholeness. And, um, and that's where I think the key is, because the wholeness comes from having our identity determined and our worth declared by the one who speaks over us words like you are seen you are known you are loved and all that he did to be able to put put the meat on the bones of those words was the great gift that he gave us um that comes with the grace that we get to extend to others and when you're living it and experiencing it that's where the peace comes even in the midst of very unsettling situations and um we've certainly lived them i can say it because it's not my truth, you know. It really isn't. And um, all I can tell you is that in doing it, we found peace in situations that were everything but peaceful. Mm-hmm. Kay Wills-Wyma is my guest. Her book is The Peace Project, The 30-Day Experiment, Practicing Thankfulness, Kindness, and Mercy. I know that a kindness can change a person's life. I bet many people right now are thinking, yep, I remember a kindness that changed my Life. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to ask Kay that very question about how kindness can change a life. And in the meantime, if you had a kindness that changed your life, I'd love to hear what it was. You can text me 877-933-2484. After a short break, we'll be right back with Kay. to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, we're creating encouraging posts every day to help you focus on the important things as you spend time on social media. From graphics that feature Bible verses and quotes from our hosts and show guests, to articles about topics you are interested in, to videos from our hosts. Search Faith Radio on social media sites to connect with us today. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance.
If you need an encouraging guide to walk with you toward more peace in your life, and that would be one day, one step at a time, uh, Kay Wills Wyman's new book, The Peace Project, which is a 30-day experiment practicing thankfulness, kindness, and mercy just might be your ticket. So, uh, Kay, when we talk about kindness that changes lives, I love that because yeah. being kind is free. It doesn't cost you anything to be kind. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. <laughs> oh. Well, and it's so funny because I was listening to somebody who had just written a book on dopamine, like what it does to your brain. Yeah. And, and often, and it had to do with um, the pain and the, and, and the go, you know, whether you're giving it for pain in your brain or for excitement and how people use drugs to get all that. And as I was listening to it, I was like, oh, my gosh, you can practice kindness and it fires the dopamine in your brain. And then they were talking about the addictive nature of it. And I was like, wouldn't that be great if we were all addicted to kindness? I mean, what a great place that would be. <laughs> Yeah, we need to start a grassroots movement. Everyone kind yeah. all the time. That's it. Yeah. No, no one be mean anymore. I know. And it, it is free. And the amazing thing about kindness is that it makes the person receiving it feel great, and it makes the person giving it feel great. So it is a win-win. And um, and it is something that is risky. You know, there is you're taking a risk a little bit by being kind because you could the person could reject it. But even when someone rejects your kindness, it still it it still makes you feel good. It's not like a rejection from somebody else that is a slap in the face and you want to curl up in the fetal position. You know, it's something that you that actually can drive you to compassion going to to that place where why would someone reject kindness? What has happened to them? Like. What's gone on in their day to make them so not want to be around a human being that they reject it? And so that's, you know, that's one of the greatest things about these practices is that it rehumanizes moments. It's saying we're so into dehumanizing people these days. Mm. This actually does just the opposite and rehumanizes in that these are human beings. The people next to us, the person looking back in the mirror is a human being of great worth, like such great worth. Dare we believe that and act on it? So our brains will work with us if we work with it, right? I yeah. love when science and, you know, when science proves scripture. I love really that. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, maybe give us some examples of how we can shift our mindset with everyday little occurrences. Yeah, and I love that you said that, Bill. It's everyday little occurrences. And for us, it often occurs in the car. Just the other day, we were in the mall, back to school shopping, and it was packed. And I don't think people still are used to traffic. It's like we remember it, like, but it's been so long since people have been driving in it that it has this all unnerved. Like, everything's unnerving. And um, we were we were walking to our space, and this lady rolled, rolled down the window in her car and is like, hey, can I follow you? And we were like, absolutely. And so she followed us hilariously to the <laughs> wrong parking place because where I led her was not where our car was. <laughs> but she, she did not care. And um, when we were backing out, because the kids were talking, and one of them was like, wow, that is so amazing that she that she asked us for the place. And, and she had inspired him by even asking. And so I rolled down the window, and I was like, you're amazing. Like I yelled at her, you know, you're amazing. And uh, I told her you inspired us. And she yelled back at us. No, no, you guys are amazing. And so <laughs> in the parking Who won that fight? At the 
small. <laughs> I know. It's so ridiculous. And so that's what happens. It's like, it was so beautiful. We didn't know each other. And it was just, it was so lovely. And then that inspires more kindness. We went into a store right after that. And the checkout gal that was, that was um, you know, letting us pay for whatever we had just bought, two of my girls were running to Starbucks, which was, you know, down the street. And one turned back and just said, hey, can we get you a Starbucks too? And the checkout lady could not believe that someone had asked her if she would like a Starbucks. And it was such a, no one was even thinking in the moment. They were just like, hey, do you want one? And uh, because you never know how long her day has been with people frustrated or, or just all that's hitting her. And she sat in that moment after the girls left, and she said, that was the nicest thing. She said, you know, I already have coffee, but just the fact that you would have thought of me. And that's the essence of kindness. Because what it says to the person is, I see you, and you have worth. And that's the message that we all need to hear these days. I noticed you and I care. Yes. Pretty lovely. So, uh, Kay, I'd love for you to uh, talk about the kindness and and thankfulness and mercy reflex. Yeah. (laughs) Say more about that because I love this concept. Well, it was, I really was sitting there going, that's more of a what if. Like, what if that really could be our reflex? Because as you're doing these things, if you do it and you continue to practice it and you, I mean, that's where the 30 day thing, you know, they say that 28 days make it a habit, which I don't actually think is true, but it's a great idea. And it does make it something that is common to you. And so that becomes your first reaction. And so what if? You did these things. They're free. They give you life. Of course, I would love for any of your listeners to buy this book. It's not my, you know, it's just our story alongside this great truth, which the Lord proclaimed really in the greatest commandment, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love others as you love yourself, you know. And um, when you do these things, dare it to become second nature. So that's where your thoughts go instantly instead of these places that don't bring life because this is what brings life. It's like it takes it from black and white and makes it technicolor. It it gives it such beautiful depth and uh, structure. It's so great. And I mean, I know it sounds Pollyanna, I can't tell you some of the hardships that we have lived through this year and how doing these things actually helped us fully live the days rather than just exist through them. And so please go try it for yourself as much as the people around you. Yeah. Kay Wills-Wyman is my guest. Her book is The Peace Project. We only have a couple of minutes left, Kay. So let's talk mercy. I know we've got a lot of opportunities to practice mercy. Can you give some examples? Well, I have to tell you that mercy is for sure the hardest one. And I don't know I don't know why, if it's because it's such that deep soul level, because mercy is compassion, it's forgiveness, it's grace, it's taking the moment to see beyond what is seen. And so and you go, Well, what's an example of that? A simple example. Someone honks at you, which has happened to me multiple times today. I don't know why people are honking, but they honk. I mean, we're in Dallas. Like, when did honking start, you know? <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> the honkers. And so in those moments, a honk, it feels rude. It's like, oh, and it kind of takes your breath away. And it's like, what am I doing? 
But in the moment of the honk, if you can feel that and swap it off and go and go to the place where you can understand there's a person on the other side that has done that and see beyond the unseen to be able to say, again, I don't know what's going on in their day. It could be a long day and extend grace by letting them go ahead of you, which goes back to what you just said, Bill, about noticing someone and caring. And it doesn't take a lot out of your day to do it. And I think that in doing and practicing seeing it with others, we just might be able to do a little more extending grace to ourselves because I think we are absolutely the hardest on ourselves. And let me tell you something, we need grace. I said that to my freshman getting out of the car this morning, give yourself grace today, bud. And I hope he does because um, that's where we can walk through life alongside each other instead of everything having to be against or some ways to achieve. Mm, lovely. And you are living it out, Kay, because it's so fun to hear, A, your energy, and B, the fact that you, you are always now aware of opportunities. Your your radar is up. You think now, reflexively, this could be an opportunity to bless, to be kind, to practice thankfulness, to show mercy. And when that's at the forefront of your brain, that's a good day. Well, and I have to be perfectly honest with you. There's days I don't want to. Like there's moments where I'm like, I'm tired. And then to push through and go, no, don't do that. Like choose the high road on this one because it feels good. And give yourself a break the days that you really yeah. aren't feeling good, you know. But it's it's worth choosing it because there is life on the other side. And I love that the Lord has, he peppers our days with all these free, very free things that aren't expensive. They don't cost anything more than just a few moments of your time. And what it gives you on this other side, it really, it really is amazing. It's transformative. So much fun to talk to you, Kay. Thank you so much <laughs> for doing, are you in your car, by the way? I live in my car, Bill. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> because, I'm doing, because I'm doing a carpool. Is that not hilarious? I can't believe you busted me I'm being totally, in the car. I'm <laughs> totally busting, busting you. Yeah. Now get in the house and clean out those empty milk cartons. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Have a great rest of the day, Kay. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Yep. Kay Wills-Wyman has been my guest. Her book is The Peace Project, a 30-day experiment practicing thankfulness, kindness, and mercy. Wouldn't that be nice if that was our reflex? Our reflex was thankfulness, kindness, mercy. That'd be lovely. We will take a short break and be back with more in just a minute. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.